Amen. I'm going to get out of the way tonight. I want Brother Goff to come. I want him to open his heart. Now, I don't know what he's going to do tonight, but I do know after service, he was thanking me profusely, <clears throat> somewhat um, tongue-in-cheek, uh, for preaching his sermon. And I said, that's fine. Preach it again. Uh, he said, man, the Lord put a lot of these scriptures on my heart a few days ago. And then you got up and preached them all. Everything I had, you preached it this morning. I said, well, just preach it again. And you stand to hear it again. Amen. Praise God. Whatever you feel, Brother Goff, I don't want you to, I don't want you to do anything except obey the Holy Ghost. Whatever you feel in your spirit, just give us the mind of God tonight. Amen. We love the Goff family. Come take your liberty tonight. Preach to me. I want to hear the word of the Lord. Praise God. Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. I am so thankful to be in God's house where he is alive and well. And he has proven himself to us even tonight that he hears our prayers, our worship. We have the ear of God tonight. Leave no doubt in your mind, we are in the presence of the Most High God. Not in emotion, but within the presence of absolute truth. He's letting us know you're in the right place. The right place. There is a such thing as a wrong place to be. But I'm so glad that I am in truth. And I'm in the right place. Amen, amen. Thank you, Bishop, for giving me this opportunity to be able to minister tonight. And I want God to reach down and speak to my heart and speak to each and every hungry heart here tonight. Amen. We want God to continue to move. I believe God has done this for a reason. Repetition, continuity, however you want to say it, it's for a reason. And God is wanting to reach out to hearts tonight. And I am just thankful to be the conduit to allow his presence to do the work that he wants to do. Amen, amen. Thank you, Bishop, once again, and uh, glad to have him. I know we've had all these special services and guest speakers, but it is good to have our pastor back in the pulpit this morning, preaching, teaching the wonderful Word of God. Amen, amen. I have a very short text I would like to read tonight in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 26 through verse 27. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 26 through 27. It says, Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Amen, amen, amen. Well, I believe God has a word that he wants to deliver to us tonight, and I want to deliver what God has laid on my heart. It is the power that lies within. The power that lies within. If we could lay our Bibles down and ask God to reach down and touch us tonight. Heavenly Father, we need you, Master. More than anything, Master, we need your word, God, to go forth. Let your anointing rest upon our ears tonight. Let your will be done, God. I want to remove myself, God, and let it be you, God, that speaks to the hearts and the needs tonight. We thank you, Savior. We give you the glory and the honor and magnify your name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise tonight? Hallelujah, we worship you, Holy Savior. We magnify you, we magnify you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You may be seated. It's so good to have each and every one of you in the house of God. And I know this service is a little different for my family after having Brother and Sister Mullins with us for a few services. It feels weird not having them 
in our presence and being able to be here, but I know they're blessing churches as they travel back and stopping and preaching revivals. I want to convey a story because, you know, family still tells family stories, right? Well, Friday night, we were spending some time with Brother Mullins and Sister Mullins, and the family was kind of winding down. It was the last evening for us to be able to spend time with them. And as we were uh, going through conversation and just socializing and enjoying the presence of each other, uh, there's been an ongoing joke because Sister Janessa and, and London have had craft projects going in through the house, and they've had uh, glitter that they've been doing on posters and such, and it's just been about everywhere. And they vacuumed and cleaned and mopped and dry mopped and everything. And next thing you know, you're sitting there talking to somebody and they got a sparkle on their forehead. And it's just been the ongoing joke for the last several three weeks or so since they've been here, especially looking at my big burly Canadian father-in-law that has hands the size of beefsteaks. And, you know, seeing him have glitter on him just cracks me up. Well, so Friday night, London and I hatched a plan. Well, I hatched it. She executed and she went into her bedroom and got her little craft supplies. And I said, you know, honey, it'd be so funny if you were to put some glitter on his pillow. And she snuck into his bedroom and put glitter all over his pillow. And he went to bed. He woke up. And in his words, he said he looked like a snowbank when the snow hits it. And he was glistening. He said, I looked in the mirror and I had glitter all over my face, all over my neck, all over my chest. I was covered in glitter. And uh, it was like he was a walking snow globe. And uh, we really enjoyed them, and we loved playing pranks. And primarily why I wanted to do it was because he was heading to Brother Moore's church to preach a revival. And I was just hoping. You know how we just met Brother Moore, and he seemed like he had a pretty good sense of humor. I wanted to give him a good send-off to go to Brother Moore's church and have a good story for him. Amen. So we had a good time with them. Amen. And so I appreciate each and every one of you being here in the house of God I want to convey my heart, and, and I want to be able to share what God has laid on my heart about the power that lies within us. And, and I'm reading through our text. It may not make sense, but give me just a moment, if I may, to begin to share what God has laid on my heart. There must be a force that is greater than the threat to disrupt the aggressor. There has to be something that pushes back harder, more aggressive than something that's trying to overtake you. However, if two people of equal strength meet, it is then left up to their will to find out who will be the one who wins. It is determined by will who can last longer than the other. When we look at our life and you've ever been in a wrestling match as a young man and, and doing things at school, whether it be boxing or just playing games or whatever it may be, there's always who can outlast someone else, who can achieve a longer time, or who can do something longer. But in this life that we live, it's not a game. You can't try to outlast the devil because he has strength far beyond what we have in our own humanity, key humanity. He has strength and power. He's able. He has his imps. He have those that can go and do his bidding no matter where it is in life that you are. When we look at things in our life, and I remember as I was thinking about this message, the word resistance came into my mind, and I began to think about it. And I know there's many different applications of resistance. 
But there's something that we have that's a physical device we have called resistant bands. They are meant to be overcome, but what they are meant to do is strengthen the one that's using them. We are not to be that one where we say, well, we just bounce right back. That means you just keep getting overcome over and over and over again. There has to be a point in time in your life where you walk in victory. You have to walk in victory. You cannot sustain being beat down time and time and time again. If you don't have the help of the God that we serve, the presence that He puts inside of our hearts, you don't have the power to bounce back. You will leave yourself open to a place of destruction. But we are made for victory. How do we know this? Because the Bible tells us that we were made to worship Him. And who and what does God walk in? He walks in victory. And if He's in each and every one of us, we have that every opportunity to walk in victory. So no matter where you're at in life, there's a promise that we can find in the Bible that gives us the ability to walk in victory. Giving in to temptation makes the devil stronger in your life. You know why? It's because you start believing in defeat instead of walking in victory. That is called the life of sin. Some people think that the life of sin is so deep they can't crawl out of it. The glue is so strong they can't disconnect themselves from it. But I'm here to tell you, once you're washed in the precious blood of Jesus Christ, Calvary breaks every connection the devil could ever have to you. And without the help of the Holy Ghost, you will fail and you will be overtaken by the devil. We have to have the help of the Holy Ghost. I cannot imagine walking through this life without the peace that God gives, His strength that He gives, how He reaches down into our lives and lets us feel Him. I cannot imagine. My mind is real simple, and so I think of simple things when I think of how good God is and I think of how His promises are. And as Bishop was talking this morning, I was reminded of a thing that happened in my life when I was a young man. And I began to think about the Holy Ghost in this situation, and maybe it'll make sense to you. As a young child, we lived in Bonner Springs, Kansas, just a few miles down the road. And my parents had given my brother and I, had given us a fan that we put in our bedroom. And it was one of those uh, what I now know is antique. At the time, I didn't know any better. Uh, it was just one of those tall uh, metal fans. It wasn't a box fan. It had the base, and you could pull the plug, and it would rotate and had the big metal cage. But it wasn't the one that you can barely stick your fingers and maybe get something in. It was the one you could stick your whole hand in there. It was that old. It was the one that some of y'all gray-headed people used, brand new, and I used used. <laughs> the switch, you could slide it across the bottom and sparks would shoot off of it as you changed speeds. And you looked at the cord and it was frayed fabric, but you plugged it in anyway and it still worked. And as I used this, my brother and I, we had this thing and we used it in our bedroom. It would cool us off. And I don't understand why they made the grate to where you could stick your hand in there. An adult could stick their hand in there. And I don't know if it was for the easy cleaning feature or 
the backup food processor that it could be, if you put that thing on high, I don't know. But I remember, remember a story of, that happens. my brother and I. We're laying, we made us a pallet, we decided to sleep on the floor. He's about four and a half years older than I am. We're sleeping on the floor and laying there, and we had pallets on the floor, and we fell asleep, and I woke up in the middle of the night to a large, like a racket, just loud noise going. And I'm like, what in the world? I'm trying to open my eyes. This is deep into the morning. And it had to have been on the weekend because we wouldn't do that on a school night. And I'm waking up, and I, I look, and all of a sudden I see that my brother's foot was in the pan. And it was going thump, 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 and just chopping my brother's foot. And there was bloodshed that night. And we think of this, and I'm like, why would someone want to put this out there as a product? Look today. Could hardly fit a piece of paper between the grates. I think some people, probably a lawsuit or two, created some design, some innovation. And that same fan brought back some memories, and I have no idea that my childhood, as boring as it was, would give back anything in my adult life. Yeah, but here's what was interesting about that fan. As we used it, it was hard to start. It would sit there, and you'd flip the switch, and it'd sit there and go, and one day, I watched my brother go, oh, I know I can fix it. He went in there and stuck his hand in there and spun it, and it would go and stop. And he sat there and cranked it and cranked it and got it going. And next thing you know, the fan's just chugging right along, metal blades just uh, whizzing along on high. But you had to have it on high or else it wouldn't have enough momentum. Little did I know that maybe the fan had something wrong with the commutator, the brushes, something needed to be maintained. But as a child, we didn't know. And so that became the way that we started our fan. Put it on high and turn the blade with our hand until it started going, and then it would take off and blow refreshing, refreshing air. And it would stay like that until we moved it. And I give that example, and I'll bring it back to us here in just a moment. But we have a power that lies within each and every one of us. As I said before, victory is promised. It is something that we possess. We as children of God are to be victorious. We're to live in victory, walk in victory. We're to bleed victory. God is in us and He is victorious. And so we have the attributes of our Heavenly Father. So if you don't have victory, I'm here to tell you tonight how you can get victory, how you can get the power of the Holy Ghost, how you can get something inside of you when your life seems to be stuck and you feel like, I read the Bible and nothing happens, you need something to reach inside your heart and give it a little turn. You need something to propel the inward man to tell you there's something greater that can be placed in you than your own will. In our text, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 26 and 27 it says, be ye angry and sin not, and let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Here's the bad thing about feelings. Most of the time, they are a source of justification. And that justification is to live in sin, to allow sin, to permit sin, to allow it to be who you are. Feelings justify bad behavior. The Bible tells us, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. That verse of Scripture almost all the time is quoted in partial context. It doesn't give you, people don't talk about 
the beginning of it. They make it sound like anyone can apply that scripture and you can resist the devil and he will flee from you. There's more to your victory than just simply resisting. In fact, your victory is dependent on the very first part of that verse. That is the key to salvation and to any foe that you may face. Let's read the complete verse in James chapter 4 and verse 7. It says, submit yourselves therefore to God, period. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. If you don't have strength to resist the devil, you must submit yourself to God. Without excuse, we have the example that God has put in the Scripture that we have to be submitted. Now, submitted is a dirty word if you're not submitted. It's a filthy word if you're not submitted. Here's what submitted feels like if you're not submitted. It feels like they're trying to control me. They're trying to tell me what I can and what I cannot do. Submission, when you tell someone to do it, it goes against your will. And you're right. That's exactly what it is. You must lay down your will in order to be submitted. You can't have the power inside of your life unless you are submitted. That doesn't mean you're walked on. That doesn't mean you're trampled on and someone stands there with their foot upon your head and makes you lick the boot, the dirt off their boots. It doesn't mean they treat you like trash. You know what submission is? It's love. You feel the love of God because you're submitted to Him. When you don't feel the love of God, you're not submitted. Know what you have? Your will is in the way. He can't force Himself upon you. If you can't feel God, you're not submitted. I'll give you a simple story. Samuel, he was just referenced the other night. We read the story about a young lad, but he figured out submission as a young man. The story of Samuel, we read how he submitted himself to the man of God, Eli, when God was speaking to him in the night. And after Samuel had received the instructions that Eli gave him, he told him to respond and say, Speak, Lord, thy servant heareth. God is trying to speak to someone tonight, but you're trying to justify your actions tonight, and you're not listening. God wants to speak so you can hear, and it will lead you to truth. It will allow your life to be different. Samuel got it from a young age, and the Lord gave Samuel a word. If you're not familiar with the story, we'll read just a few verses. Samuel received a word of judgment against Eli. The man that gave Samuel the direction on how to listen to God was the one who was being judged in the Word from God. But Samuel made himself available to the voice of the Lord. Eli then asked Samuel, a young man, it tells that's what he's a young man in Scripture, and asked him to tell him what the Lord had commanded. And Samuel was dreading this moment. Can you imagine a man of God you're submitted to. You're a young lad. Your parents have come and delivered you to the house of God so that you may serve in the house. And the only people you are around is ministry. And in the middle of the night, you hear a voice from heaven. You hear the Lord God call you and give you a word against the man that has taken care of you. 
And we read in verse in 1 Samuel chapter 3 and verse 15. And Samuel lay until the morning and opened the doors of the house of the Lord. And Samuel feared to show Eli the vision. But when you're submitted, you're committed to your job. I'm not talking about the job that deposits things in your bank account. I'm talking about what we've been tasked to do in the kingdom of God. We're committed to the house of God. When we're committed to it and we're submitted, God will speak to us and reveal things to us. But it's not to give this man correction. It's that we get correction. God wants to speak into our hearts and give us wisdom, allow us to read his word. But Samuel obeyed the man of God in his life. He opened himself up and poured out the word of God. Samuel had every opportunity to hide the message, change the details, make it to where it did not apply to his mentor, the man that he was submitted to. But instead, Samuel gave the word. In verse 18 of that same chapter, and Samuel told him every wit and hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord. Let him that do it, do what let him do what seemeth him good. You see, Samuel was rewarded for his submission. He said, it is the Lord. Let him that seemeth, let him what seemeth good. And, and Samuel declared the word of the Lord through the act of submission. We find that God rewarded this of Samuel. Because it says in verse 19, And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him and did not let his words fall to the ground. You know why this word was important? It was because Eli had allowed his children to run amok and do their own thing. The man of God did not put his own family in check, and God judged him from the voice of the next generation. God spoke into his life from the man, the young man he was raising up, and he had to hear his own judgment that none of his sacrifices would ever be received for his house and it says in the Bible, forever. Forever. And yet Samuel, in submission, stood up and obeyed it. In James chapter 4, verse 7, Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. But you have to have that strength inside of you in order for you to be able to push back against what the devil's trying to place upon your life. You have to have something that gives you the strength that you do not possess within your own humanity. It comes from the comforter. The comforter in John chapter 14 and verse 26. But the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things. And bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. The Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. I thank God for the promise of the Holy Ghost, that it's reached into my heart and helped change this old boy and turn my life around. I'm so glad that there was an outpouring of the Holy Ghost in my life. And it doesn't end there. It can flow in your life. If you've never had the Holy Ghost... God is willing to step up in this occasion and fill you with the Holy Ghost. 
Let's look at this passage just a little bit closer. I know Bishop taught from it this morning. I'm done a phenomenal job. But the part of the scripture I want to look at, it says, He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Teach. He says, the Holy Ghost, the Comforter, will teach you. Teach you. You know what that means? There are lessons you're going to have to learn. You're going to have to learn the lessons. One of those lessons is to listen. Why do you have to listen? Because God is going to speak to you. That's why. If you don't hear the voice of God, it's because you're not listening. How do you listen to the voice of God? It's through your pastor. It's through the Word of God. He may even place a word just in this message tonight just to speak to somebody's heart tonight. But here's what I take away from this. If I'm not learning, I'm not being led. That means I'm not listening. If I think I know everything about the Word of God, I'm not listening. If you come in with preconceived ideas of salvation and it's presented and you discredit it and say that's not truth, you're not listening. I was there. I've sat on Baptist church pews. I've sat on Presbyterian church pews. I've sat on Catholic church pews. But it was truth that I listened to. Let me tell you about one of the first times that I got truth for my, for my own self. I walked into a church at the age of 13 years old, went in with my mother. We were the only ones in the sanctuary that was a part of my family. Went in and sat down on the right-hand side of the sanctuary, about four or five pews back. I did not have a Holy Ghost. I sat down, and the man of God began to teach truth like I'd never heard it before. And I sat there like someone was doing a magic show and showing me how they were making it happen. I was blown away. But you see, that wasn't the first time I'd been in an apostolic church. I'd been going to a church for 13 years. But there had to be something inside of me that says, Douglas, listen. Tradition makes you not want to listen. I've seen countless people that I went to school with sitting there in a, in a setting of chapel and watch them receive Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Get down on their knees and be led in a sinner's prayer and watch their life never be changed. They still struggle with the things they struggle with. They still talk the same way. They could not obey the Scripture because they did not have the power within their heart to change their life. I watched it take place. The other lesson is remember. Why is it that we need to remember? We need to remember saints, even saints, because he has told you promises. And there are promises that God has made to you that you have forgotten. Does that make God a liar? It does not. It means that you need to remember the word of the Lord. Because we're reading a story, pastor jumped through part of what I'm going to say uh, tonight, but Jesus, while he's cleansing the temple, the disciples remember the word of Jesus, words of Jesus, after the resurrection. In John chapter 2, and verse 21 through 22, 
But he spake of the temple of his body. What Jesus had said after he had cleansed the temple, he walked in there, made himself a whip, drove out the money changers, flipped tables, and drove what they were doing was not pleasing unto God, drove them out of the temple. And then he begins to talk about how the temple was going to be destroyed in three days. And they're sitting there looking at the physical. And even the apostles, or even the disciples looking at that were of the same mind. It wasn't until after he had died and rose again that John noted in Scripture in verse 21 through 22, it says, But he spake of the temple of his body. When therefore he was risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he said to this unto them, and they believed the Scripture and the word which Jesus had said. They didn't understand it when Jesus said it. When he was cleaning the temple, they didn't put two and two together. But after the resurrection, after they began to see things a little differently, after they took the lesson again and again, after they remembered what was going on, they began to understand this is what he was talking about. Now I get it. And if this is the very first time for you to hear apostolic truth being taught, this may not be the first time you see it and hear it and you say, this is what I want. But there will be a day when the Word of God is preached again and again and again, and it will begin to resonate within your heart, and then you'll be able to see it and believe it and say, this is what I want in my life. But don't let it be too late. Don't let the words that you hear again of Scripture be read on the day of judgment when the Bible is opened and we are judged one after another according to the Word of God. We are given the opportunity even in this very moment to take part in what God has promised of giving us the power within. Now you can fight this battle by yourself all you want. And that's exactly what you're going to do. You're going to fight this battle by yourself. But until you reach down into your heart and you say, God, I have nothing more to give, and I've exhausted all of my resources, I give myself to you. It is until you submit everything without reservation, that is what is acceptable unto God. That is when the power of the Holy Ghost will come upon you and fill you and give you strength. The reason we keep failing lessons is because we are not learning from our mistakes. We keep leaning on the wrong things. I remember as a young man, I had a test that I could not pass. I remember going to take it, and I was like, I keep missing, failing the same questions. And I could not grasp it. So I decided to write my answers on an eraser. And I went there and took my test, and, and I was like, okay, memorize this, true, false, true, false, true, false, and rush over there and take the test and fail again. And you can try to cheat your way through life, but you can't. We're all held to the same standard. We are all held to the very same Scripture. You can't get around this. I've heard people say, well, my grandmother, I'm sorry, your grandmother was judged according to the Word. I've heard it said, well, my Bible, I'm sorry, but your Bible says exactly what I'm preaching tonight. You are being judged by the Word. 
If you're tired of fighting these battles and feel like you can't make any progress, you have to be fully submitted to the plan. Like I said, it doesn't mean you're dirt. It doesn't mean you're second class. It doesn't mean that you're not acceptable within the church. Let me tell you what, that is what God accepts all of you. When you walk up without reservation, He accepts all of you. Your places that you're imperfect, the places that you're proud of, that you shouldn't be, and you're like, well, I feel like I've done this pretty well on my own. You have to surrender everything that you think is right and let God rebuild your life. We are like the old fan that I referenced a few moments ago, humming with potential, and you're going nowhere. You say, I've got the power. I'm plugged in. You're providing no relief to anyone around you. You're waiting for somebody else to reach in and risk and turn you and get you going. You are just humming with potential. But you know, if you never fix this, if this is never resolved, it will destroy you. You will burn up. You will have, no longer will you have the ability to generate a cooling effect. Never will you be able to benefit those around you because you say, listen, mate, I'm on high speed. I can feel and I'm moving just ever so slowly. But God has called us to help others and not be so selfish to say, I'm plugged in, but I'm doing everything on my own. God wants to reach in and give you the power within so you can be what he's called you to be. How do you get this? It's by having the comforter. And Bishop talked about it. Emmanuel, God with us. And the Holy Ghost is God in us. In Acts chapter 2, in verse 1, it says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as fire, and it set upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This happened because they were commanded back when Jesus spoke this. In Luke chapter 24, he told them to go to Jerusalem. Acts chapter 1, they went to Jerusalem. But you know what they did? They began to do business of the church. They replaced some of those that were, uh, they had to replace Judas, and they brought them back in and put Matthias in, and, and they replenished their head count. But then they remembered there was something Jesus had said back in Luke chapter 24. They remembered, and they benefited because they remembered. They did not lose their purpose, even though they were busy with things of the kingdom. They did not lose their purpose. They maintained the purpose they were called to. Go to Jerusalem and wait until you are endued with power from on high. And exactly what happened was in Acts chapter 2. We read about it reading on in that very same chapter in verse 38. And then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's the comforter. And for this promise is unto you and to your children 
and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. God gave you a promise. It's time for you to get the lesson and remember it and apply it in your life tonight. You will not pass the test in life. You will be just the resistant band that just springs back. And you feel okay because you come back to your original form. But the Bible wants us to be transformed by the renewing of our mind that it may prove was that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You know what that is? It's to be full of God's Spirit. It's to live in the promise of the Word of God. Hold fast to that promise. It's because He cannot lie. He never has lied and never will lie. Whether you believe the Word of God or not, it's not a lie. Like the pastor said this morning, it's never contradicted itself. It's never been proven wrong. For thousands of years, this Bible written in English or Hebrew or Greek, whatever the Scriptures were at that time, has a perfect record. Let's talk about the churches that don't believe truth. They don't have a perfect record. They don't have the power that lies within. When you want to make religion easy, when you want to make salvation appear easy, the easy it's, it's just like trying to wax your car. The principle is, if it's easy to put wax on your car, it's easy for it to come off. If you're willing to put the work into it and manually apply it and invest in it, driving through the car wash tunnel and saying it's putting on the best wax you can get, and they're saying we got a ceramic coat wax. When you drive through there, it's going to be off in just a matter of a couple of rains. But if you can put the investment into it and apply yourself, it will apply and stick and stay and provide benefit. If you're willing to apply salvation the way, the only way it can be applied, it will stick for all eternity. It's an investment that you have to put some elbow grease in. You have to convince yourself this is the only way. There is no other way to receive salvation than what was laid out by the apostles in Acts chapter 1, chapter 2, reading on, seeing it happening, rolling on through the chapters of Acts, and they see the Holy Ghost poured out. That is the only way you can be saved. And you can say, well, preacher, that's not what I believe. And we'll just have to agree to disagree. Here's the thing. I'm not wrong because I believe the Bible. The Bible's not wrong because it's written by the inspired men of God. It's not wrong, but what we believe and how we apply Scripture so it's easy for us to feel okay with ourselves, that's wrong. It's when we can settle within our heart and say, well, I'll do what feels right to me. If the musicians would come, let me introduce you to Jesus. If you've never met Jesus the way I have, let me tell you about him. The Jesus that I know, and so many of us know through experiencing truth, he took me a sinner that was full of sin, regardless of coming to church and sitting on a pew just like you young men. 
and just feeling like I'm going to church, I'm doing my obligation, I'm coming with my parents. And I went service after service throughout my life. It wasn't until I was 16 years old. But I had 16 years, if you could say it that way, of opportunity. I say that because my wife, she got the Holy Ghost when she was five years old in a church chapel session. So, so let's just say I had 11 years of opportunity of sitting through revivals where we had service after service. And I would fall asleep and, and I would just ride out a service. But something changed within my heart. And I met Jesus Christ the way that he wanted me to meet him. It wasn't tradition where he introduced himself to me. It was when there was a preacher that got up and began to preach about baptism in Jesus' name and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. And just like it was when I was 13 years old, something clicked in my mind and I said, this is absolutely real. This isn't a sham. This isn't made up. I've seen far too many miracles to even think that this is even emotion or someone's trying to conjure up miracles. When I've seen the crutches, I've seen the swelling, when I've heard the stories of first account witnesses saying, I watched skin grow back, and I heard the miracles, but the greatest miracle that I could ever be a part of is when I was filled with the precious gift of the Holy Ghost because it took me and washed me clean. It took every sin I had ever committed and washed me clean. Now, most of us probably appreciate cleanliness. Most of us probably appreciate putting the effort into something and making it look nice. You see a freshly painted wall, and you look at it like, oh, Brother Jerry did a wonderful job, and this looks so good, or put a new carpet down. It looks so good. It feels so soft to walk on, and you want to take your shoes off and walk on it, and you're just enjoying the new. But when the new is something that's here, and it's something that is tangible, you feel something, you wake up, and you're like, I don't deserve this. It's so good, I don't deserve this. It's the power that lies within you. It allows you to give back to others. That's the Jesus I was introduced to. That's the one who stepped into my life when I was baptized in a horse trough and pulled down into the water in the name of Jesus Christ. And I got out of there and I felt so good. But then as I began to think about what God had truly done for me, riding down the road on I-70 and 435, I remember looking up at the bridge interchange that's still there today and looking up and said, I'm clean. Everything that I was ashamed of, it's gone. It's totally gone. The things that I've done is not going to keep me out of heaven, Brother Nelson. And I have a place I can go back to and be washed time and time again. As Bishop said, it's through the Word. When we, when we apply the Word of God to our life. And I would invite anyone to, in, to experience Jesus Christ the way that I have and others have. And what the Bible says to do is to experience Him through a watery grave, a baptism in Jesus' name. Experiencing Him through an absolute surrender of your life and having your life totally turned around and submitted unto Him and feel the presence of God. 
You don't know what it's like until you're in trouble and you feel his help give you the strength that you did not possess on your own. And you realize, I just beat what has been trying to destroy me for so many years. It's victory. And he wants you to walk in victory. Can we stand this evening? Hallelujah. Can we lift our hands and worship him and magnify him tonight? Hallelujah. I worship you, Savior.